What's up, you guys? Happy Sunday, and welcome back to Brunch with Des B. I am your host, Des, also known, obviously, as Des B. If you're new here, what is up? I'm so glad to have you. And if you're not new here, welcome back to another episode. As you guys know, last week I started my first series that I would call Pass the Mic. Within Pass the Mic, my goal is to give the microphone, uh, metaphorically and also here on my podcast, to someone else. And for now, we are primarily focusing on women and men in the black community right now, amplifying their voices, sharing their stories, uh, maybe adversities they've had to battle through, as well as the real life crisis, which is racism. Um, Throughout the past few weeks, I've been in contact with quite a few people, so we have some awesome episodes to come. And I'm actually also going to expand past the mic to a kind of open invitation to whoever really has a story to share and deserves a platform to share it on. Um, So I'm really excited for some upcoming guests from all different walks of life, um, as well as different backgrounds and beliefs. So I'm very, very excited. If you haven't already yet, guys, please make sure that you give this podcast a five-star review. If you could drop a little comment, give me a little love. I would really appreciate it. As you guys know, I do not profit off of this podcast at all. So just having your support, sharing the stories, sharing the stories of the people that are coming on my podcast really does mean the world to me. Um, You can do that by sharing it on your story and tagging myself or the guest on the podcast, which is all going to be linked in the show notes to support us and get this message out. So today I'm really excited to have a woman on here. Her name is Tyra. You're going to be learning a lot about her, including a little bit about her upbringing and also her life as a black woman in an interracial marriage. Um, So without further ado, I'm so excited to have her and let's get into the podcast. All right, you guys, so as I intro here in the podcast, I'm so excited to have Tyra on, and no, it is not Tiara or anything crazy (laughs) like that, which she probably gets all the time. It is like Tyra, as in the beautiful model, which I can tell that this Tyra is just as beautiful on the inside and out. So Tyra, go ahead, introduce yourself. I'm so excited to have you. Thanks. Um, I'm excited to be here. I'm really glad I got the opportunity um, to be featured on your podcast, to be honest I'm, with you. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited to have you. I It's so funny. I think three, well, two of the four of my guests as of now, I've all connected with through Ari. So shout out to Ari <laughs> for, <laughs> hey. for, connecting me, for connecting me with some awesome people. So um, give us a little bit of insight just to kind of open up this can of worms. Who are you? How old are you? Where you're from in range of comfortableness of you saying. And yeah. also, um, <laughs> you know, what you like growing up. A um, little bit about you. Just spew it all out. Yeah. So um, I'm Tyra. Um, 26. <laughs> um, I live in Southern Illinois, um, close to St. Louis, Missouri. Um, I am a full-time foster care case manager. Um, I really like it. It's very fulfilling. It doesn't make me feel like a robot every day working mm-hmm. nine to five, which is great. <laughs> um, I enjoy eating, watching really, really, really bad reality TV shows. And of course, being on Twitter, um, 
and just being around really good energy, really good vibes. <laughs> love, love that. I have to ask, what is your favorite trashy reality TV? Like, what are we talking in oh, terms God. of ranking that? <laughs> so typically I would say Real Housewives of Atlanta is like top, <laughs> top two. But I've been okay. like really deep into 90 Day Fiance. Oh recently. my God, bro. <laughs> I was hoping oh. you would say that. Yes, I can't stop. I it's it. like a train wreck, but I'm just I... so... I'm so attached and I can't stop watching. Um, I watched like four <laughs> seasons back to back in an embarrassing amount of time, but it's fine. Well, we won't go there too much. <laughs> <laughs> so Southern Illinois, were you born and raised there? What are you current? I mean, you're in social work right now, mm -hmm. but are, are we married? Are we, do we have yes. family nearby? What's that look like? So I don't have family nearby. I actually was okay. born in Japan. Um, oh my gosh. Yeah. My, both my parents were active duty Air Force. Um, so I okay. pretty much spent my childhood moving about every three to four years. Um, mm -hmm. I am married. I'm actually I'm in an interracial marriage. Um, I actually okay. met him when I was 13 originally. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> when, <laughs> when we first moved uh, to Illinois, we actually met um, in eighth grade and then Okay. We're together on and off through high school, went to college, stayed together, moved back here and just settled here. Um, but all my family's kind of like spread out, but it gives me good reason to travel, which is nice. Um, Cause I hate being somewhere super long. I just feel stuck. So give right. me an excuse to go places. Yeah, absolutely. Well, especially coming from the background of active duty military, was that you traveling all the time throughout your life or what, was it just a few moves? What did, what was that for you? So we moved from the time I was born until I was maybe 14. We moved every three-ish years. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. So, which was really cool to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. Like I got to live in Alaska. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, cool. Yeah. <laughs> so I got, I got to experience a lot of things. People typically don't get to experience and see different mm -hmm. things, which is really mm -hmm. cool. Um, I think that's why even now I like to be going to different places all the time. Like I hate just being in one state too long. I get really antsy. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, Illinois is the longest place I've lived, surprisingly. Um, I was here, like I said, eighth grade through high school. I left, went to college, and then moved back after college. And I've been here ever since. Um, okay. So I guess right now I would say like that's home since that's pretty much where I'm laying roots down at this point. <laughs> right. And do you, so just out of curiosity, because I know what it feels like to travel quite <laughs> a bit. Would you like, do you still enjoy traveling because you did it so much? I do. I love it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I love it. I, like I love getting on an airplane. I love being in airports. Like it's always exciting. It's never, I never get like that annoying feeling of having to like pack up and go somewhere. Mm -hmm. I love that. Well, I do. I do think you're probably itching then to travel in some way, shape or form. Am I yes. right? Yes. <laughs> we, we, had a, we had a vacation plan later this year and then coronavirus hit. So oh, no. yeah. No. <laughs> Are know. you still planning on going or are you just kind of playing it out? We want to go. We haven't decided okay. when. Um, it probably will wait until next year when we have okay. like a better picture of what's really happening with everything. Right, right. Um, but yeah, I pretty much told him like we still have to go on vacation. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. That and that's what you tell your husband. There's like there's no yeah. questions. We're still making this up. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, so that's so we'll kind of unpack that. What I've really liked to do is kind of walk through a little bit of childhood into mm -hmm. kind of like growing up and what that's looked like for you being a proud woman of color. And yeah. I think that hearing this from different races, no matter what, but right now, obviously focusing on what needs to be focused on, it's crazy to see how we, say for example, we, we could have gone to the same school 
and had completely different experiences. Um, (laughs) or we, we, we could be in the same class. We could have been best friends and still gone through the same classes, the same teachers and felt different about it. So going back to being a child, when did you feel like you maybe had that first bit of, if you want to call it reality as a child going, wow, like I, I look different than my friends Mm -hmm. or I look different in school. Well, so it's funny you ask. So my parents, um, they were very big on education. Okay. Um, that was always like their one thing, like you don't have to do anything else, but you need to be in school. You need to get good grades. You need to learn something, um, mm-hmm. to do something out when you're graduated. So, um, my parents actually w- knowingly put us in predominantly white schools and as in us, I mean, me and my two siblings, um, okay. they would get on greatschools.net, I believe is the website, look up all the schools by ranking. Um, and it would always be predominantly white just because, um, historically, Predominantly white schools are funded more um, mm-hmm. and they are better well-educated compared to schools that are black. Um, mm-hmm. So I would say at a relatively young age, probably grade school, I think is when, you know, I was used to the fact that there wasn't a lot of people that looked like me. Um, mm-hmm. So it wasn't something that was thrown at me in my teenage years or things like that. Okay. Um, so it was pretty normal, but I guess I didn't notice it being like a big deal probably until I would say probably early middle school. Um, Cause mm-hmm. at that age, you know, you, you're, you're aware of what's happening. You're aware of the people you're surrounding yourself with and the comments that are made and the things that are happening. Um, so I think I was just more, it was more visible to me at that point. Right. But yeah, it wasn't anything new just being like one of one of three or four black kids in the classroom. Okay. Like the, when we lived in DC, I think that was the first time and that was in third grade, second and third grade. Um, that was the first time I'd seen a lot of black kids. Um, mm-hmm. And that school was predominantly black and it was a magnet school downtown DC. So it was still a relatively good school. Um, mm-hmm. But that was the only experience I can remember having where I was in a classroom full of black and brown kids. Wow. We, so you mentioned though, that you were born at least in Japan. Mm-hmm. So when did you move? So it's not like you had any schooling in that area though, correct? I didn't. Yeah. We okay, moved okay. pretty, we moved pretty quickly. I was probably okay. a couple months old by the time we left. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, good to know. I'm just curious about that. So in the, in DC, you kind of mentioned having a little bit more diversity in just in general, your classrooms. Mm-hmm. Did you feel as if, um, it was like more united? Did you feel a little bit more like community in that kind of school versus a predominantly white school? I want to say yes. Again, I was, I think I was, I want to say second and third grade. I can't remember. I know it was third for sure, but not sure about second. Um, I don't know if it really affected me just because um, that was the first year I had a black teacher as well. So it was a really just cool experience in general, um, seeing somebody that looks like you teaching, and then you have a classroom full of students also teaching. Um, And me and my third grade teacher were actually pretty close. Um, She, um, she kind of looked out for me because I was an easily distracted kid Mm -hmm. just because I got bored easily in class. Right. (laughs) So, you know, one of those things. Um, But I would say it was more community just because, like I said, you have kids that look like you. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also wasn't in a school where it was a lot of military kids. So I don't think the feeling was mutual. I think it was just me feeling that way because Mm -hmm. these students were born and raised in D.C. Like that's what they saw every day. Um, So I think my experience compared to theirs would be completely opposite because they were used to it. Right. Did, so did you play sports going through high school and stuff too? 
I did. Um, I ran track okay. um, from like seventh to 12th grade. And then I was on the high school dance team, like just sophomore year to senior year. Oh, nice. Was it like a, like a cheer, like cheerish dance team or was it kind of like a legit dance team? No, it was like palms. Oh, cool. cool. Like it was dance. It was like dancey, but not like competitive type right. dance. Right. Okay. <laughs> no, something just definitely fun. So being, being in sports, you think about having a sport team and you feel, mm-hmm. you feel like you're a part of a team. That's exactly it. Did, mm-hmm. did you have a positive experience playing sports in, you know, the school that you were in at that time? <laughs> so I would say I had a good experience in the sense of my school's team mm-hmm. was okay. Um, in eighth grade, and this is funny that I'm mentioning this because I completely forgot about this moment happening until recently. I was talking to like an old, old friend um, just about past experiences being at our school. And she brought this memory up and I vividly remembered it after she brought it up. But in eighth grade, so I was 13, 14, um, we actually had a track meet in a town, probably like 30 minutes from us, maybe um, smaller town than we were in and uh, notoriously racist, which was known. The students knew, the teachers knew. It was just known around the state. Um, And I'll never forget now that we were standing under the bleachers, me and like the relay team talking and an older white man was sitting on top of the, like, on the bleachers. You know, when you're sitting on the bleachers, you can look down and see underneath. Right. Okay, so he could see us. And I remember standing there and my friends were sitting on the ground and he literally spit at us. No. <laughs> um, yeah, spit at us. And we were all 13 and 14. So we all kind of stood there like, what the hell? Like, we're children. Oh, you're a grown man. Yeah. And then at that same meet, my friend was running and another parent literally yelled, run slave at her. <gasps> so... Yeah. (laughs) So things like that. Yeah. And it's like, um, like I said, those are things I had completely forgot about. And I think partly because I was so young, Mm -hmm. but partly because I didn't want to remember. Um, Because that's like a very outwardly racist thing to do, Um, especially in public, especially in front of a bunch of people. And like being that comfortable in front of other Mm -hmm. people and still doing Mm -hmm. it says a lot as well. Mm -hmm. Um, So but that got progressive as I got in high school. Um, I didn't really experience anything like that. You know, as anybody knows, you know, you always hear those things from people will try to downplay your talent, <laughs> like, oh, you're fast because you're black or, oh, you can jump really high because you're mm-hmm. black. Like we would get comments like that. Um, but at that point, it was kind of like just ignoring them because you hear it so mm-hmm. often or you hear people say stupid stuff like that so often. It really just doesn't affect you in the same mm-hmm. way, which is not OK. Obviously, it should always Absolutely. affect you. But it was one of those things you're like numb to it because you hear it so much. Wow. Um and then dance team, I would say my last, probably, I want my last year was a good experience. Um, my first two years, I would say no, um, only because my first year I was, I think, the only black girl on the team. Um, and, you know, when you're in dance and cheer and things like that, you have to do like, di- like different things with your hair. Right. Um, obviously, my textured hair cannot do the same as a white person's textured mm-hmm. hair, you know. I have my hair is very thick. Um, at the time, I was relaxing my hair a lot, um, and so it was relatively straight, you would say, but it still was textured. Mm-hmm. And so they would want me to do certain hairstyles that I couldn't do. They want me to put a bunch of hairspray in my hair, things like that. And it got to the point where I had to just say, like, I can't do those things. Like, I have black girl hair, you know. Mm-hmm. And it would be like I'd be serious about it, but I'd laugh afterwards so people wouldn't like get outwardly offended by me saying that. But I was being honest, right, right. <laughs> um, and so those three years, it was kind of like that back and forth about the hair situation. 
um, until I know at one point I really, I started wearing like a lot of like sew-in weaves and so it got easier to manage it. But when I didn't have them, it was kind of like, okay, well, like they obviously don't care to change what they want to do because it only affects one person compared to the whole team. Right. So I kind of was forced to just like acclimate to what was happening. Absolutely. But yeah. Wow. <laughs> so a kind of just as we're on that topic, you, you mentioned, mm-hmm. you know, you, you relaxed your hair. Which yeah. knowing what that means, you know, it means that you're focusing on straightening it, right? Taking away natural curls, mm-hmm. natural volume, whatever it might be. Yes. And then you started wearing a little bit of sew-in weaves, probably maybe some different styles, mm-hmm. whatever. Granted, I do believe that in general, girl, do what you want with your hair. Whatever makes you feel good, thrive. However, is there any part of you during that specific time, say during dance team, mm-hmm. where you almost felt as if making sure your hair was quote unquote straight, um, made you fit in more having a different hairstyle made you feel more accepted. Um, and only, Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Okay. And, and do you, <laughs> yeah. do you remember like wishing that you didn't have to do it or like spending hours straightening your hair and being like, why can't I just embrace it curly or whatever it might be? Yeah. I mean the hair situation that when I was little, my hair had been relaxed at a young okay. age. Um, and that's not no fault to my mom, obviously that's just what people did back then. You know, I don't really remember a lot of black women when I was younger having all the natural hairstyles that are out now. Um, At least not as openly and not in the amount of volume that you Mm -hmm. see now. So me and my sister, both of us had relaxed hair growing up. Um, But, you know, even when you have relaxed hair, you know, you still have like your peers, you know, saying like, oh, like you don't have white girl hair, you want to have white girl hair, blah, blah, blah. Um, And I mean, it, it bothered it bothered me to a point, but at the same time, it was kind of like, well, you know, if I have the straight hair, I will attract less attention to the hair on my head, even though it's this minuscule topic. Right, right. You know what I mean? Like it's not a, it's hair. It's, it's hair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but when you hear about it for so many years, it's kind of like, okay, like shit. Like I probably should just keep my hair straight. Absolutely. And I like, I kept my hair relaxed literally up until I was, I want to say, twenty two. Wow. And I at that point, I was like, you know what? Like just screw it. Like, I'm just going to cut my hair slowly and just let it become natural. So I've been natural since then, and I love it. Um, but I think a lot of girls, especially at a young age, want to be accepted by their peers so bad and don't want to stand out in the aspect of my hair looks different. Mm-hmm. I don't want them to shove their fingers in my hair. I don't want them to do X, Y, and right. Z. Um, that they they will do that and damage their hair for years until they fully accept that their hair is supposed to be in this natural right, state. Right, right. Wow, that's so powerful because it's it's one of those things you we don't think about even in forms of the the mask that um racism can wear, right? Someone picking apart your hair. Right. That is still a form of racism. Is it not? Am I kind of am I taking that? Okay. Oh, absolutely. I'm like I mean I I would consider absolutely. it to be honestly <laughs> um cuz I mean you'll get comments that say like oh your hair's dirty, right. you know, cuz I would tell my friends, like my, when I was younger, my white friends, you know, they'd wash their hair every day. And I'd be like, oh, I don't wash mine every day. Like I don't, my hair's, my hair doesn't need to be right. washed every day. We don't have the same hair textures. And that turns into like, oh, so your hair's just right. dirty. Like you just don't wash your hair. And I'm like, no, like that's, that's not it. Right. And now, okay. and now every um, white girl will do um, dry shampoo until they have to. <laughs> dry shampoo. Oh my God. I love it. I love it. That's like, weren't you just telling me my hair was dirty 10 years ago? But okay. That's so funny. And you know, mention, mentioning even the different hairstyles, um, you know, I feel like to see the evolution, because I remember going to school, I mean, I had a ton 
of friends, just different races, period. You know, I, I was very accepting. Um, yeah. But I remember spending the night at one of my black girlfriend's houses. And um, she would literally spend hours straightening her hair every single morning before we would go to school together. Mm -hmm. And I remember um, <laughs> I would just wake up and she would always make remarks to me like, man, I wish I wish I could just wake up like you. And it's like, I wish I had your curly hair. I got like when I was in middle school, I got a perm because I wanted like the curly ringlets. I thought they were beautiful. Mm -hmm. um, so now seeing kind of that progression and seeing so many women of color embracing this just voluminous mane mm -hmm. of beautiful hair in just all these different ways. Um, it's just, it's awesome. So I, I love that we kind of unintentionally talked about that because it's something that you don't, yeah. think, you don't think about, <laughs> especially as a woman, you know, um, who thinks about hair, just hair. Um, but it's such, exactly. such a huge part of our identity in, in general. It is. And I wanted, and like a lot of people will say like, oh, it's just hair. It's just hair. I'm like, it's not just hair. Like there's a history mm -hmm. behind the hair. And so, you know, you'll hear people now get very passionate about, you know, cultural appropriation, right. you know, Kardashians, for example, mm -hmm. obviously, um, you know, them doing cornrows or having box braids, things like that. You know, a lot of people will try and downplay that being mm -hmm. what it is, um, not understanding like, yeah, okay, it's a cute hairstyle, but black women have tried to wear these hairstyles mm -hmm. for years and they've been criticized for them. They haven't been accepted for them. But as soon as somebody lighter skinned or somebody white, wears them all of a sudden it's this fashion statement or it's widely accepted so it's one of those things where it's like you guys we're criticized for wearing our hair natural we're criticized for having braids doing x y and z but as soon as a white woman does it all of a sudden society is like oh like wow that's cute as hell like let me do that and then there's no issue about it and so yeah and a lot of people don't they don't understand the conversation and at the same time i mean they mm -hmm. don't have to um but they need to recognize like that really is that is an issue. Um, and I think that's why a lot of people don't understand why the Kardashians get a lot of shit. And I mean, that's part of it right. that on top of, you know, them getting lip fillers, them getting mm -hmm. butt injections them doing X, Y and Z, you know, black women have been criticized over the years for big lips, wide noses, big butts. Right. And all of a sudden now you see these celebrities out here walking around with the exact same things black women were naturally right. born with, but they don't have to. They're, they don't have to experience being ostracized or teased or anything like that because they're who they are. They're lighter, white, right, casting right. Women, you know? So I just have to ask you then, because I, I do see mm -hmm. these pictures. I remember my, um, Ari actually, she, she yeah. posted a picture on Twitter and asked very openly, Hey guys, I want to get this hairstyle. Mm -hmm. Can you guys give me true feet? Like, is this, um, is this taking away from the actual culture? Like, you know, am I being rude or ignorant? Yeah. And a lot of people were like, yeah, like go for it. Blah, blah, blah. The other people were like, uh, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Anyway, she ended up getting it. She looked amazing. And I think her yeah. heart was in the right place, but how does that, how does like, how, how do you know the line or, or how do you draw the line as someone not of that culture period you know like me say i right. want to go to jamaica and get my hair braided yeah. blah 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 where do you cross that line or wh what do you think that line looks like i i would just say for it would just depend on i guess the individual mm -hmm. person you know recognize and understand the cultural impact of mm -hmm. that hairstyle um for ari like i remember her posting that picture and the the funniest thing to me about that situation was the people telling her like no don't do it were like white women <laughs> right. in her mentions mm -hmm. which is funny to me um, and like, I told her that I personally found it to be fine because they weren't cornrows. Like they were just pieces of hair connected right. by rubber bands, just mm -hmm. tied back, you know? Um, 
And so I appreciated the fact that she openly mm -hmm. asked the question just to be aware of it. I mean, there's no like rule book on hairstyles and like what's not right, what is right. I would just always tell people if you decide to do something and you have that hesitation in it, mm -hmm. ask somebody. Like, don't just do it and just be like, shit, like, I don't really care if people think, like, it's just a hairstyle. Because nine times out of ten, it's, it is just a hairstyle, but it's not Correct. just a hairstyle. There's some type of history behind it that you have to be aware of. And I think a lot of people do recognize that. That's why a lot of celebrities get mm -hmm. flack for it, um, especially celebrities that surround themselves with a lot mm -hmm. of black men and women. They know, like, they're very aware of what it means and the significance it holds, and they still choose to do it and then ignore the fact that people right, get upset about right. it. So if you're going to do it, just know you're going to probably right. <laughs> get criticized. Um, and it is what it is. But like you brought it on yourself at that point because you didn't want to accept what is widely known at this point right. in 2020. No, wow, I love that. Because I, I, again, like you said, that cultural appreciation has grown so much the past and eh, what, what, what mm -hmm. seven years, five, seven years where you, you do, you see, yeah. you know, the Kardashians go out in tight cornrows or whatever it might be. And then, you know, they're, they're taking photo shoots and all this stuff. And it's like, hold on, where's the disconnect or <laughs> you know, what, what's going on? Exactly. Yeah. Um, so I, <laughs> and obviously they're on a platform of just the craziest amount of people watching them, but, um, therefore, you know, you have to be open to a lot of criticism in that way. Um, but wow. Yeah. yeah. So something I didn't even think about being a woman and now also thinking being a woman falling in love. So. Mm -hmm. growing up, I feel as if naturally, mm -hmm. um, a lot of people, and I'm talking like early age, right. You kind of just fall in love with whoever, you know, I remember yeah. I was in love with an Asian boy back, <laughs> you know, like it's, it's just, you, you don't know, <laughs> you know, you just like, you love everyone, love everyone. Yeah. And then maybe you grow up in a household that sadly contorts you to one race. Um, and maybe you don't, and you yeah. just simultaneously fall in love with someone that looks like you quote unquote. Um, and that doesn't mean that there is racism going on there, but you, you love who you love, period. You fell in love in eighth grade with a white man. Uh -huh. How did that uh -huh. kind of growing up, you know, how were his parents? Cause I mean, this is how many years ago then eighth grade, like, okay. 12, so this 13? is, or this is, I, I mean, this is early 2000s. Yeah. So, yeah, okay. 2007. So, I mean, there's you know, we've quote unquote progressed, if you even want to call it progressed. Um, but things were still different back yeah. then. So what was it like being in middle mm -hmm. school, going through that, then high school, you know, meeting his parents, how were his parents towards you and now going into marriage and in mm -hmm. the real world where you guys might have battled those adversities being together? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'll never forget the first conversation my mom had with his parents um she we were in my garage and he came to pick me up for like a date or something um and that's when our parents first met and she literally looked at his parents and said is your white family gonna have a problem with your white son dating my black daughter and like i just like looked over and i was like, well, shit. like she just jumped right <laughs> into that okay <laughs> um yeah um and she is um and uh you know they said no and i've I have never experienced any type of racial Beautiful. issues with his family, um, which is great because I know a lot of people can't say the same being in interracial relationships. Um, I know a lot of people have, you know, racist cousins, uncles, blah, blah, blah. Um, I know it was hard for my dad in the beginning um, because obviously his, the idea in his head was seeing, you know, his black daughter with a black man. Um, but once he realized like, 
after a while, like, oh, she's in this for the long run, he kind of was like, well, let me go ahead and just like flip the switch real quick. And he's fine now. I think everybody gets along, which is great. My mom and dad love him. Um, most of the time my mom is like on his side more than mine. <laughs> um, but growing up, I mean, I, I don't remember anything like being said to me specifically. Like there'd be times you would go out to dinner. Um, I remember we went to like a breakfast date one time and this old white couple was sitting at a booth catacorn, catty corner to us and like literally staring at us. And like, I just stared back at her cause I knew <laughs> she wasn't going to say anything until she looked uh -huh. away and got uncomfortable. Um, and like a lot of times it was me saying like, Hey, do you see, you know, do you see this person looking over here? Blah, blah, blah. Because I was always hyper aware about it because I needed to be. And he kind of, he wasn't, and that's not any fault mm -hmm. to him. He just wasn't. Um, and that's him in general, for the most part, he doesn't really pay attention to things that doesn't require him to pay attention to them. Um, and so it was me pointing things out. And once I point them out, he'd be like, Oh yeah, like I noticed that that's really rude, blah, blah, blah. Um, but it was never anything. I don't know if he ever caught any type of flack from his friends mm -hmm. or peers of his. I'm not sure about it. Um, I personally have. <laughs> I've had in college, you know, when I would say like, oh, yeah, I'm dating a white guy. Um, people would just kind of like look at me sideways and just be like, they would always ask like, why? Like, oh, you're in a white dude? I'm like, no, like, I just like him. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> like, I just like him. It's not even, it's not, it's not a preference mm -hmm. thing. It's, this is just the person that I happen to fall in love with and am in a relationship with. It's not a big deal to mm -hmm. me. Um, um, the people that usually have the most things to say about it at that time was black men. They would kind of like take offense, take offense to it, um, as if I was trying to offend them. And obviously I wasn't, but you know, like I said, it was always them assuming it was a preference issue and it was never a preference issue. Mm -hmm. Um, the older I got, it would turn into comments like, oh, I didn't know you're married to a white dude. And I would always say, well, yeah, because I'm not, I don't just put my pu my public business out mm -hmm. to strangers. <laughs> like, it's not something you would just know looking at me. Um, and then comments would follow up like, oh, that makes sense. And I'm always, I will always ask, like, what do you mean that makes sense? And I'm with a white dude. Because I genuinely want to know your reasoning behind that mm -hmm. statement. And it typically is always, it just makes sense. Interesting. I'm like, okay, that's fine. Yeah. And it's, it'll always lead back to like, just the way your demeanor, how you hold yourself, the way you talk, mm -hmm. you know blah, blah, blah. And that comes from white women, white men, you know, that comment growing up, like, wow, you're very articulate as if I wasn't supposed to be articulate. Oh, absolutely. I was black. Right, right. Yeah. So it was at, at the age I am now as an adult, I'm hearing that from anybody. It's really just like, okay, I've heard that my whole mm -hmm, life. You know, mm -hmm. my white peers were famous in telling me those things. Um, and it's funny because the older I got and the more I would hear it, I realized that that was nothing against me that was their insecurity showing. Um, and I quickly learned that like an educated and articulate black woman is a threat to white men and white women mm -hmm. because they don't expect it. They want me to be this stereotype. Mm -hmm. They don't want me to be able to understand what they're saying, understand these big words. They don't want me to have been just as, if not more educated than they are. And that's okay. But you know, don't try to make me feel bad about mm -hmm. it because I'm on your level or above it. So at 26, I'm kind of like, it is what it is. Yes, I speak well. Yes, I read a lot of books. Yes, I know what words mean. Mm -hmm. What other insult is there that you need to say to make yourself feel better? Right. <laughs> wow. That's that is that's so funny. I had a friend too um, the other day. She posted a picture just embracing her color and her natural hair and all mm -hmm. these beautiful things about her. And she kind of started it out stating, you know, 
how what people have said to her you know wow like you're pretty for a black girl or like wow you 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 have you have (laughs) you have pretty hair for a black girl or Mm -hmm. you know your your skin is really pretty for your color you know whatever Mm -hmm. it might be and those those snarky remarks I feel as if a lot of people don't mean for it to come off as a kind of racist remark but is is that technically mm-hmm. like an individual racism issue? Like, how would you word that for someone who goes through life and and openly says that to people? I would just I would consider you know the comment pretty for a black girl. Just Mike, okay, that's the word. Got um, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, like I, I uh, fully believe when people say that to anybody, mm-hmm. they know what they're saying. Um, I used to hear growing up from white men you know, pretty for a black girl and be looked at when I wouldn't say thank you because it's not a compliment. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like you're offending me in the same breath that you're trying to Mm -hmm. make me feel good about myself. So you don't get a thank you for Mm -hmm. that. Um, But again, that was one of those things where the older I got, it just didn't bother me anymore. Because if, if you're not interested, like just don't be interested. Like I don't need you to say anything to me. I'm not pursuing you. I don't need compliments coming out of your mouth. Like there's no reason for you to come up to me and just say things like that. Um, so, hmm. yeah, I don't know. I personally, I believe people know what they're what they're doing when they do them. Um, but I'm also really Absolutely. big on like accountability. So, like, if you're gonna, and you like, if you're gonna say something, you're gonna try and be disrespectful. Just say it with your chest. Just say what you want to say and be done with it. <laughs> like, don't try to hide it behind a mask of it trying to come mm-hmm. off super nice when that's not what you mean. Right. Right. Wow. What, what a unpacking again, something that you, I hear even, you know, I walk through say a crowd in college and I hear that it's like, it's something that me being white, I keep walking and I I don't think about like, you know what I mean? It's just kind of like, Oh, like they're just Mm -hmm. complimenting her, but it's like, is that, is that really like, you know what I mean? Like now looking back, (laughs) understanding just even what I've learned throughout the past couple of weeks, it's like, you know what, that's really not a Mm -hmm. compliment. That's actually very, very rude and a terrible insensitivity towards your guys's racial heritage and identity. Like, why can't I just, why can't I just be pretty? hundred percent. Wow. So (laughs) kind of going off of marriage, you don't have kids yet, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. No, no, no kids on yet, the table. No. However, you work with kids. So going into mm-hmm. these different homes, we kind of chatted about what you do before. What, what does that feel mm-hmm. like going into broken homes or, or mending them? Um, and knowing in certain situations, you know, maybe say it's an interracial family. How, how does it feel like yeah. going into those? Do you feel a different way coming from like the background that you do and just knowing how it felt for you? In, in terms of a kid. I'm sorry. Um, like, <laughs> yeah, I, I have mixed feelings about mixed feelings about it just because so in the foster care system, you know, once you finish the classes, blah, 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 cool. you can foster kids. Um, you can also specify the type of kids you want. So you can do it by age, you can do it by sex, whatever. Um, I'm always very apprehensive if I see a white family with a black child and they're not educating themselves. And that, I don't mean like reading books 70 times a day, but even on the smaller things mm-hmm. like hair, for example, um, I will, I will always say like, okay, if I see a kid looking crazy, obviously I'm going to ask like, well, what are you doing mm-hmm. with their hair? Do you know, do you need help finding somebody to help them with their hair? Um, 
just because small things like that, like those, that can, that'll start mm -hmm. affecting a kid at a young age, you know, mm -hmm. it affected me at a young age. Um, and so I'll always say, you know, if people are out there that are wanting to foster, wanting to adopt kids that are of a different race, um, definitely right. do your research. Don't just take a kid and expect the kid to be and act like you. Um, they're not going to reap the same benefits just because they're a black kid living mm -hmm. in a white household. At the mm -hmm. end of the day, they're still black. Um, and I think a lot of people don't understand that just because they're thinking like, well, I'm raising this child. This child's living in my roof. I'm feeding him or her. Um, I don't get why they're not being treated differently. And it's just, it's an honest answer. They're still black children when they leave your house. They're still black kids when they go to school, when they're playing sports, things like that. And I mean, even with that, you know, whenever we have a kid, we've had to have that conversation where when we have a child, yes, our child will be mixed, but society is going to look at that kid as black. There's melanin mm -hmm. in that kid's skin. So when we have to raise our son or daughter, we're going to have to raise that child with the knowledge of knowing when you're out in society, you're not going to be treated mm -hmm. the same. You might be respect, you might be disrespected. You might have issues with police mm -hmm. X, Y, and Z, you know, that typical talk mm -hmm. that black kids have to get because the cop's not going to pull you over and be like, Oh, well, right. He's mixed. right. Like, I, it's fine. You know, they're going to look at you and say like, okay, you're black, you know, and you might be treated how you're going to be treated. Same with any place you go. And, you know, we've had that conversation and my husband's aware of it and he understands and he agrees with it. Um, so we're on the same page about that. But I think that's another thing that people need to understand. So I've seen so many stupid things on the internet that says like, having mixed kids is going to mm -hmm. end racism. And it's just the most asinine mm -hmm. sentence I've ever heard and seen in my life. Yeah. But it's not, that's very idealistic, but in reality, like that's not going to right. change anything. So I, I personally have a brother that is mixed mm -hmm. and he is, I would not say he is white passing by any means, um, but he's definitely mm -hmm. not, you know, as dark in winter months, right? Like he doesn't carry a natural darker mm -hmm. color. However, um, you know, mm -hmm. I've been chatting with my mom about it and, you know, my stepdad, <laughs> God bless him, but he hasn't really, I don't think taken the time to really educate my brother on being a black man, period. You know, because when he right. is driving mm -hmm. one day, which is scarily only three years away, um, like you mentioned, if he gets mm -hmm. pulled over and it's 1030 at night, the cops might question him a little bit more than a, a white boy driving home from a friend's house. Mm, exactly. And um, it doesn't matter how yep. light he might look. He is still going to be seen as black, you know. And so mm -hmm. knowing that that is kind of like the way that we have to to think about my brother, you know, we're now I'm going to go home here soon next week and hopefully talk to him about these things and just be very open and know that I can support him. but knowing that one day your child would have to kind of go through those same things, regardless of being a boy or a girl, wh what is the one mm -hmm. thing that you really want to instill in your child going forward um, to hopefully then carry on through older ge other generations too? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's, it's, I don't know because I don't want to like, instill fear in that child but at the same time like realistically they kind of have mm -hmm. to live with a little bit of fear you know they they won't have the privilege of walking around with white skin and not being bothered about mm -hmm. tiny things and so it's really going to be a balancing act of teaching that person like okay yes you're a human yes you deserve to be treated equally but 
you may not because of the color of your skin, but I don't want you to live in fear. But also you might need to a little bit because that's going to affect how you react right. to certain situations. So it's kind of like, I, it's one of those things where I don't think I would even know until mm-hmm. I physically have a kid, you know, that I'm raising to really grasp that right. situation. Um, I mean, when my parents talked to me and my siblings growing up, like I remember my brother having right. like that talk, you know, how to act when a cop pulled over and me, me and my sisters mm-hmm. had the same talk. Um, it wasn't as obviously um, stern just because, you know, black women are being killed as well. But, you know, you hear a right. lot about black men being involved in a lot of shootings, a lot of um, police altercations, mm-hmm. things like that. And so when my dad talked to my brother about it, obviously it was on a different level. Um, and I'm sure it did instill a little bit of fear in all of us, um, but it wasn't like the type of fear that would keep you from living your life and doing things the way you want to do them. But, you know, my mom would always say, you can hang around as many white people as you want to hang out with, but never forget wow. that you're not one of them. And that means in any situation, if you're out at a party with them, if you're out at the mall with them, you all could be getting in trouble about the same thing. But at the end of the day, the honest truth is that those white peers, even if you're getting in trouble for the same situation, may be treated much mm. better than you will. And the penalty might fall harder on you because of the color of your skin. And so it's, mm-hmm. it's definitely scary mm-hmm. thinking about raising a kid just in that aspect. Because obviously you want to protect that child as much as you can. You don't want them to have to deal with any type of racial um, issues or anything like that. But, you know, I think it's really important for any parent just to be honest about it. No, absolutely. And I mean, even, even myself thinking about raising my future kid, you know, still instilling Mm -hmm. the, even teaching this child about white privilege, Uh, having Mm -hmm. my child understand, Hey, you have a white privilege get, you know, kind of, you're born into that naturally, but here's how we're going to treat other people. And, and here, and I want Mm -hmm. you to know this right now. You know what I mean? Like, how can I set it up from the beginning? Because, and again, no fault on my own parents, but I, I can't say I ever had a a race talk and, and not that it was something Mm -hmm. maybe back in, you know, the early two thousands that you had to have, like, you know, maybe my parent, you know, they didn't know what they were doing, whatever, but but you think about it now, and especially after just this historical time in our nation, which should have taken place years ago, but let's thank God that we're having an uproar now. Um, you know, yeah. now it's like, okay, well, shit, like, yeah, I didn't have that conversation. And what do I need to do now as a parent? Um, I can't raise, I can't raise a new yeah. full generation, but I sure can have an impact on it. Absolutely. And I think that's what you know, with everything going on with George Floyd's death, Breonna Taylor, um, I think the, that's the most the most frustrating thing right now is the fact that, you know, racial tension, racism is embedded in right, the history right. of America. <laughs> um, from the time Christopher Columbus discovered, in quotations, um, this country, it's been an issue. And so I think I got very, my first reaction, you know, to George Floyd's death mm-hmm. was anger, obviously, um, just because, you know, I didn't watch the video. I still haven't watched it because I just can't right. deal with it, obviously. <laughs> um, but I was angry and then I got scared just thinking about like, wow, like that really could have been my mm-hmm. dad. That could have been my brother. That could have been the many cousins that I have out yeah. here running around. You know what I mean? And so those feelings, it's kind of like I was on like a roller coaster. I want to say probably all last week, I was very emotional. I was very anxious. I was upset. 
you know, cried a couple times um, Mm -hmm. because those feelings are real. And, you know, I think the most frustrating part was just that people are just now, Mm -hmm. just now Mm -hmm. getting active. You know, you've got people complaining about rioters and looters. Honestly, I'm just going to be honest. If I get killed by the cops, I would want people to burn (laughs) the country down. Okay. Just going to say it. Don't care. Buildings and businesses can be rebuilt. There's that's why there's insurance on these companies. Um, you know, people throwing temper tantrums about Target. Oh, bro. Who cares? <laughs> yeah. There's so many Targets. They have so much money. If I if somebody steals three pair of jeans, I literally don't give a shit. Like, steal as many jeans as you want. Go steal a TV. Steal Absolutely. some lamps. Like, go ahead. And so, things like that was really bothering me because I'm like, these are taking away from real mm-hmm. issues that are actually happening. And so, seeing all these protests like mm-hmm. makes me happy to be honest with you and i hope that they go on as long as they can i hope they continue on throughout the year um because so many times you see you see outrage and then you see silence and then it disappears into thin air and then somebody mm-hmm. else is killed the next month and it's like this constant revolving door and that door is just going to keep revolving until people continuously stand up for things that they need mm-hmm. changed you know and so social media right now is popping with all the support, Black Lives Matter. And so my concern is like, inevitably, social media is going to get real quiet real soon because people are going to want to go back to posting, you know, their fitness content, what they ate yesterday, their dogs, mm-hmm. blah, 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 just life. And so my concern is like, as soon as that happens, mm-hmm. like, then what? Like, what were the protests for? And so I think I'm partially scared that that's going to happen. And then again, another death's going to happen. And then it's the same thing. And there's no real change happening. Um, and then, you know, you have people in your life that you know in person that you think, you know, you've heard for years that they care about you. They value your friendship. They value you as a person. And as all this is happening, mm. you hear nothing from them. You know, I think that part was like, that, I think that was like the hardest pill to swallow for me. Um, and when I talked to my husband last week about it, you know, I was, like I said, I was very emotional. Um, I told him, I said, you know, it's been a very eye-opening experience on both ends because you really see like who who's going to be there for you when shit hits the fan you know there's people that are going to think like you really shouldn't be that emotional like it didn't affect you but it did affect me because Mm -hmm. george floyd could have been my dad you know it's very close to home for everybody in the black community because of the same thing that family you know and so like i told my husband i said you know people want to sit sit there and use you as their they're out they want to say like this is my black friend this is Mm -hmm. my black Mm -hmm. sister blah 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 I'm, I'm not that person. Don't say I'm like that black person to you. And then you not be there when I need a shoulder to cry on, or I need somebody to talk to for you not to reach out to anybody Mm. and ask how they're doing. And so, you know, all the white people that are listening, I would urge you, you know, reach out to your friends that are black, your Brown friends. Don't ask them if they're okay. Cause they're not, Mm. we're not okay. (laughs) It's a very emotional time right now. Um, There's a lot happening in the world too many people are dying too many people are not being held accountable mm-hmm. for all of these deaths so we're not okay but it really is going to make a difference for you to reach out and just say i'm here for you if you need me what can i do to make myself mm-hmm. a better ally for you you know and it 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 really you know there's a lot of people that are not educated in a lot that's happening in race in general and it's okay to ask for guidance on being educated but please don't put that burden on Mm -hmm. your black friends to ask for you know books to read videos to watch podcasts to listen to 
um, everything is readily at your fingertips. You know, Absolutely. Google is out there. There, you know, I can turn the TV on today. Netflix has a whole opening screen with black movies and educational things. Um, I know Amazon has had some things out there. There's so many links right now going around with a whole Google Doc with resources, links that breaks down books, podcasts, articles, things like that. Right. Everything's readily available. Um, and so, you know, I've been criticized for being uh, <laughs> very, uh, what is the word? Just very right. passionate about it right now, I would say, mm. or like hypercritical, because I do have a lot of expectations out of people that I know in my life, and I'm sure a lot of other people do. And if there's one thing about me, it's that I'm very big on accountability. And so I need people to be accountable right now. If you haven't been doing the work, you haven't even been trying to do the work, you haven't been trying to have these hard conversations, you need to. You need to check your family members that are being racist, mm -hmm. check your friends that are being racist, because you can't be an ally to me and still let these right. things happen behind closed doors. And I think that's a lot of it. That's a lot of what's happening. Um, and at some point, enough's mm -hmm. enough. You can't have it both ways. You can't talk to me about being against racism. And I know for a fact that your brother right. says it every other day. You know what I mean? Just need, just need some consistency. <laughs> please. <laughs> yeah, please. That's right. the bare minimum. Wow. I, I, I love mean. that you brought that up too and, and addressed, you know, any person who is white that is listening because, um, that is something that I think right now, a lot of white people are going to the black community and asking them questions, mm -hmm. thinking that yeah. it's going to make them feel, for lack of better, for lack of better terms, yes. flattered, flattered, <laughs> supported. Yes. Um, you know, yes. you know, you show me the way. And, and I understand, I, I can see mm -hmm. the deep rooted you know, psychological logic. I, I under, I understand what, uh, yeah. you know, a lot of people are trying to do and really want to help with and et cetera, but you're right. You know, that is a huge burden to put on you when you have this emotion flowing through and you're mm -hmm. like, bitch, I don't have time to send you a link. <laughs> I, I don't have, I'm fucking tired. No, I'm tired. Dude, I've been with this my whole life. I don't want to tell you where to find it, you know? Um, so I definitely, yeah. I can understand that. And I think that, if there's one thing that people can do is yes, like you said, reach out to their black friends, but then think about if you have black friends, do you know, do you know what I'm saying? Eval exactly. Evaluate that. Oh my because gosh. Because yes. during this past week, you know, I, I realized actually how diverse my friend groups are, which was a blessing. You know, I was like, cool, that, wow. Mm -hmm. so, you know, good for me. I really yeah. have been um, pushing myself, but I noticed that I didn't have a lot of black women on my feed. Now, number one, a lot of this can do with the algorithm. You know, mm -hmm. I do fo follow a lot of random people. I don't always see them. But that also means mm -hmm. maybe I'm not doing my best um, engaging with them where, where they're not where they're not coming up on yeah. my feed. Um, and that's on me. You know, maybe I'm just not being, a, you know, mindful of it. Right. So um, that's definitely opened mm -hmm. my eyes this week, as well as like you said, you know, I reached out to. Um, you know, plenty of my friends and I was like, Hey, you know, I'm sorry, this is a few days later than I wanted to, but Hey, like, how are you doing? You know, I, I want to be there for you. I'm checking in. And so yeah. I do think that that's very powerful. And even, you know, if anyone's listening and they're like, Oh fuck, I have not done that. You know, it's, <laughs> it's not too late. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. Now is your time. Now's Just, your time. You know, don't freaking apologize. Don't make it awkward. <laughs> Just go in, go in there, say, Hey, yeah. Um, wanted to reach out, you know, whatever you need to do, but don't, don't make it awkward for them either. 
And please, and please don't make it about yourself. Please don't send messages that say like, I'm so sorry this has happened. I had no idea, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Like that, it's not helpful. That Honestly, that right. makes me more angry <laughs> um, than anything, just because you're redirecting focus right. on you when the focus is not supposed to be on you right now. Just just reach out. Just yeah. just do a mental health check real quick. And don't expect, don't expect a response yeah. because some of us are just mentally drained, you know? We just need time to respond. It doesn't mean we're not appreciative. And, you know, I'm speaking for myself. I'm not going to speak for the whole black community. But me as a person, I can't deal with texts back to back right. to back asking me if I'm okay. It, right. It's draining. I don't want to talk about it. Um, just do do what you can behind closed doors. You can do things. Sign petitions. I see a petition every two seconds on Twitter and Facebook. Takes right. literally less Absolutely. than 30 seconds to click a button and click submit, reshare yeah. it, do that, you know. The whole um, Blackout Tuesday thing that happened last week just was a mess. Um, <laughs> that was also that was also a very telling, you know, trend. It turned into show a black box and amplify black voices, share black work, um, resources, blah blah blah. Turned from that mm-hmm. to like don't post at all, and then turned into just like don't yeah. post for seventeen days. Like it just yeah. the the message yeah. was skewed throughout the time, but. You know, I think that that specific day was very eye opening um, because there was a lot of people I saw that I follow um, influencers and regular people that I know in real life that, you know, posted. And that was it. Didn't post any resources or posted a resource one day and the next day Mm -hmm. we're posting fitness content. And so it's kind of like if you're going to do it, do it. Jump all in. Don't piecemeal it because you want your peers to think like you're about it and that you Mm -hmm. are an ally and you care about the movement. I would have more respect for anybody to just say they don't care than to act like they care and put on, put right. on a new face for the time. Yeah, being. no, and I, I agree. You know? That was a very weird day um, because I feel like yes. a lot of people <laughs> did it right in the morning. I know I did. I posted right in the morning. Great intention. I loved the thought. I went through the day, shared yeah. a bunch of, you know, Etsy owned, black owned businesses, uh, swipe up for this email, petition, blah, blah. But then I saw like on Twitter, it was like a totally different argument about the, the, the square being yeah. a piece of shit. And I'm like, oh my God, but like, I, uh-huh. but, like, I, I followed through, like, I don't understand. So it was also, again, a, a just a way that somehow someone, we used it to divide us uh, on a day that it was, it was so beautiful yeah. to see the empowering timeline of like nothing but the blackout Tuesday. So as much as I think, again, the intention mm-hmm. behind it was pure it turned into, like you said, that, that, uh, you know, Hey, yeah, I'm, I'm here for you. I'm by your side, but here's my full day eating, you know? So, but he, <laughs> exactly. But, yes. Let me go yes. ahead and follow you. Um, actually, so right now. I do think that, you know, a lot of us going forward, especially in the quote unquote influencer community, um, you know, how, how can we involve this yeah. in our everyday lives? And I think for me, I'm really focusing on how can I promote the Black Lives Matter movement consistently through my life? How can I show that through my actions, through my friend group, through my diversity in my feed, whatever it might be? How can I really live by it? Not just talk about it, be about it, but then also really get into, in general, just how can I fight better for justice and equality um, uh, throughout everything? You know, even Mm -hmm. this month is Pride Month. And I'm like, 
damn, I really don't be supporting the gays that much. And I love the gays. Do you know what I mean? But like, okay, how, how can I make that more evident? Yeah. How can I support their community more? Um, even, you know, women and men in the black transgender community, you know, we, we see them be killed yeah. as well. Um, a, a ton, a ton of transgender yeah. as well in general as well. So it just a ton of things I've really, again, opened my eyes up towards like, damn, I, not that I've been a terrible person, but low key, in my opinion, I'm like, I've been a terror. How can I be better? You know, how can I be better? And I think that's right. Yes. hundred percent. I think that's the, the most yeah. beautiful thing to just share and kind of, you know, before we wrap up, I do have another question, but just kind of the, the place to go yeah. is just how important it is to know and understand what's going on in our politics, in our communities, um, in our nation and more, you know, at the end of the day, a lot of, a lot of the change we're going to get mm-hmm. is through who we're, go- who we're getting in office, um, who we're getting as government officials, yes. mayors. <laughs> uh, I don't give a shit if it's down to yeah. your fucking school vice president. You know what I mean? These things are going to matter for, for kids, for development, for yeah. education, um, and more, you know, so that has been a huge takeaway for me. So I guess leading into a final question for you and yes. we can kind of run on with this. We've seen where we've gone the past two weeks. You mentioned, you know, this movement. You don't want it to be a Mm movement. You know, we don't want it to be a moment. We want it to be a movement. We want to keep rolling. Um, Where do you see this going? Where do you hope it goes as someone in the Black community? Where where do you hope we can stand? Um, If you want to get a little bit political, I don't give a shit. What do you you see? What do you see going (laughs) forward? And what would it be? What would it mean to you? I really, at this point, I really just want black voices to be heard. I don't think it's, Mm -hmm. I don't think black voices have been heard in a long time. You know, people will say, people, (laughs) I hate Trump. I'm just going to say it. I don't care. Um, I'll say it out loud. Um, As much as I dislike him, it irritates me when people Mm -hmm. blame him for racism. Racism was alive and well before Trump was elected. Trump being elected just amplified Mm -hmm. those racist voices. You know, him not denouncing the KKK, mm-hmm. just things like that. Um, calling white supremacists very fine people and calling looters and rioters, <laughs> the black looters and rioters thugs, but the ones that, you know, were burning down Philadelphia when the Eagles won the Super Bowl mm-hmm. had no mm-hmm. repercussions. You know, it's just stupid stuff like that, you know? Um, so I just want, I want black voices to finally be heard. I want black voices to be taken seriously. I want, I want the world for black mm-hmm. people to change. You know, has there been progression right. over the years? Absolutely. But not as much as people think. And I think that's where people don't understand. There really hasn't been. You know, we are still battling with a lot of racial tension in the United States of America and overseas, you know, in different countries. It's everywhere. It's alive and well. Just because you're not seeing black men hanging from a tree, you're not seeing women's bodies in the streets does not mean it's not happening. It just means Mm -hmm. it's it's more subtle now. Um, and sometimes subtleness makes it more dangerous because you just don't know what's going to happen when it, when it's going to hit and how it's going to feel when it hits you. Um, and so that's really, that's what I want. I want people to be real allies. I want, I don't want performative allyships. I want people to be in it for the right reason. I want people to donate to the cause. I want people to sign petitions. I want people, I want white people to use their Mm -hmm. white privilege to help black people Mm -hmm. be heard at the end of the day. Um, and that's what I think people don't understand. You know, it's not, Black, we need, I hate to say this, but right. we need white people in this fight <laughs> because their voices are the ones that are heard. They're le- they're less likely to be hurt in mm-hmm. protests when the cops are around. So those bodies out there, 
we need those allyships in this fight right now um, to help progress people. And I also want people to think like, why is it so uncomfortable for you to talk about race? You know, why is that such a taboo topic? I feel like that needs to be more openly spoke about. Um, obviously in an appropriate way, like don't just approach me on the street talking to me about race. <laughs> um, but with people in your families, your white peers, your black peers, um, talk about it because I feel like if it's not going to be talked about, white people are not really going to understand the gravity of it. Um, they're going to still live in this bubble where mm -hmm. they acknowledge that they have white privilege and that's it. They don't say, okay, I have white privilege. Okay. Now what can I do with my white privilege to help the black community or what can I help my white privilege, um, right. help with other people of color? You know, it's just, it's one of those things where you have right. to take that knowledge and turn it into action and try to do something with it. And I mean, that's really it. I just want, I want there to be change by the time my kids are adults. You know, I, I honestly think our parents, when they had us, they right. imagined the world a lot different than it is right now. And it really isn't, it really isn't mm -hmm. that different when you think about it at the end of the day. Um, we're still seeing police brutality. We're still seeing black men and women killed in the streets. We're still seeing no consequences for these murderers. You know, it's just, it's everything, everything's piling up. And what's happening right now is a year's worth right. of pile up and it's exploding because there's so much anger and there's so much emotion tied to that. And I think people need to just mm -hmm. understand right. that and let it ride out. You know, it's, you, know, you don't have, nobody has a right to tell right. somebody how to grieve and how to process their grief. And I think that's what the issue is right now is people trying to say like, oh, looting's bad. Oh, rioting's bad. Right. You don't know what it feels like to have a family member killed on camera and still be questioned about Ugh. what was happening before the camera was rolling right. or what happened after the, you know? And like I said, with George Floyd, I really think that was the turning point because you saw it play out. You saw him begging for his life mm. and his mother. There's no argument to be had. There's no other narrative you can put to that happening. You just see right. a man being killed on camera, you know? And so I think people really just need to check themselves, check their privilege, check their thought process, and really see what's happening. And, you know, check your own racial biases. Mm -hmm. You know, you might think you're not racist, but... Um, if you're sitting in a room with your racist friends and they're saying some ignorant stuff and you're not correcting right. them, I'm going to call you racist because you're complicit. You're letting them do it. You're not defending anybody mm -hmm. that you claim to be an ally. So I think that's a lot of it. It's not okay to be silent. You have to speak mm -hmm. up, use your voice. It's going to be uncomfortable. That's good. Ad advocating activism. That's not supposed to be a feel good thing. Right. You need to get uncomfortable wow. to do the right thing. No, hell yeah. I mean, that, it's super powerful <laughs> because, you know, that part you mentioned, I think our parents thought of, you know, life being a lot different. I'm like, bro, back when I was in eighth grade, bitch, I thought cars were flying by now. Like, can you, <laughs> can you imagine? You know what I mean? Can, so can You're you are not lying though. It's true. Going, wow. I just picture equality and fucking rainbows and all these great things. And it's like our parents, our own parents, um, are still could be just so saddened by this event and you know even myself i'm like bro if someone yeah. killed even my my mom and i'm white the town would be burnt to shit so you know what i mean don't don't come at don't come <laughs> at this situation like you said you know we can 
post Super Bowl, light a whole city on fire and couches and, and cars and all this shit. Exactly. But the minute that we're fighting for justice is the minute that it's an issue. Um, and so again, as much as looting, rioting, mm-hmm. you know, I'm so sorry for those small businesses that have been affected, even those that are maybe even black owned, you know, that hurts. And I'm so very sorry for that. But as a nation right yeah. now, we need to do what we need to do and have done what needs to be done to let this situation be heard at the most utmost volume possible. And, um, you know, when they say like on TikTok, like the volume in this bus is astronomical. That's exactly what this, this case (laughs) is and has amplified even past cases, which has been even cooler. Um, so I really do. I love that answer from you. And I do think that again, I have hope in our nation. I have hope in, you know, all of our allyship and hopefully a lot of, like you mentioned, you know, white people stepping up, using that privilege, using that voice and helping, you know, pass the mic for better terms to, to you guys um, in the black community (laughs) and, and come together. We will never be the same Mm -hmm. period. We will never, ever be the same, but how can we get the fucking closest that we can? Um, That, that is the goal. So absolutely love that. Do you have any last points because I do think that that was just a beautiful way to tie in everything that we just talked about but is there anything else that you just want to say um or even you know also just tell people like where to find you or um maybe whatever you want to do yeah just just please vote please register to vote um please educate yourselves you know ask the ask the hard questions have the hard conversations if you Mm -hmm. lose people along the way that's a good thing your views weren't aligning to begin with and if you're really trying to make a change Mm -hmm. you can't grow with people that don't want to grow with you um you want to find me on social media my twitter handle is (laughs) underscore not bank (laughs) like thanks like tyra bank (laughs) and instagram is my first name tyra t-a-i-r-a says and then underscore um, you can follow me on there. I'm more active we, on we Twitter. We stand some Twitter it energy. Is what it is. Um, <laughs> guys, as as always, and as I have <laughs> last episode, there will be all the links in the description box. Um, Netflix series to watch. Uh, how to you know how to donate. Different donation links. National resource list. Multiple places where you guys can listen, tune in, continue to educate yourself, um, and have this be a lifelong change for us as a nation. Um, I will also you know now that you mentioned earlier in the podcast about your own implicit biases. There is a great test that I actually found through Harvard, I believe. I have not taken it yet, but I do know that it kind of helps you understand your own biases. So if I find that link, I'll also put that in the description box. Um, Again, just to kind of test your own self out. Where are you right now? Where should you get better? What do you need to focus on? Um, So, and also all Tyra's links will be linked as well. So (laughs) uh, thank you, Tyra, for being on. Um, I think we had a great conversation. (laughs) I love where this ended up going. We talked earlier and we're like, Hey, let's just let it ride out. And I think it, as always, it's always perfect. I love how you end up just making it normal and it flows and it's awesome. So thank you again for taking the time to talk. Um, do you, and you know, if you'd ever need anything, let me know as well. Um, but hopefully we'll connect in person one day when I'm down visiting Aria or something, maybe you're down there or when I'm in Chicago you know, I'm in Illinois all the time. So yeah, thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, make sh- 
Of course. Thank you. And again, thank you for having me. If you have a chance, rate this (laughs) podcast, give it a five star, drop a comment, share it on Spotify, share it on your Instagram stories. Let us know you listened. Again, I do not make a profit off of these. Please just know this is purely for support. Um, So thank you guys. And we'll see you in the next episode.